who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin' is available wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready for the news with the side of Bell Pepper? Seriously, what the f*** are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's Sweetheart. With America's Sweetheart. <laughs> The Queen of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back to Trend Lightly, everyone. My name is Molly McAleer, and I am joined again. Oh my gosh, she's back by my co host, Tiffany Maddox. Hey. Hi, I missed you. I missed missed you last week. I missed you too. Oh my God. What did you. What did you think of Red, Taylor's oh, version? I mean, listen, I was never going to stand as hard as you, but, you know, the internet is a light. I enjoy, I enjoy Taylor Swift. Congrats to her. She did break the internet. I mean, it's great. I'm obsessed. You know I am. Did you listen to how I turned the last two podcasts into Taylor Swift specials <laughs> while you were gone? <laughs> yes, and congratulations for that. That is excellent work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for anyone who um, stuck around from Fluently Forward's bonus episode, by the way. We're happy to have you here. This week is kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's less of a grab bag than usual in some ways. (laughs) There does seem to be some common themes. And of course, you know, we've actually gotten a little bit of a break. I was going to say, of course, but someone's back. One of our regulars, Chrissy Teigen. Mm hmm. She must. Every few months, she has to resurface and piss people off or enlighten people. It's just the law. It's the law of the internet. What's her deal with that? I, I, I don't know. I feel like for her own health and sanity, I don't think that she should be on Twitter. Like, because I feel like, I mean, I put myself in the position of her And I wonder what it must be like every day to tweet something that's just like very fun and light 
and basically have people in your mentions who think that you are, you know, like a sex trafficker of children or whatever. And it's like, you can't breathe without somebody kind of jumping on it. And I think, I think it must like grind her down and then she steps away and then, but it's really fun to be on the internet. It's really fun to be on Twitter. And I think she always gets pulled back in, but like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a healthy environment for her. You know, Chrissy has been maybe up there with Logan Paul, but like we didn't want her to be so much. When we started this podcast, we did not want it to be like a show where we were constantly referencing Chrissy Teigen. But the last year since we started last February, she's just been in the news so much. Like she's unavoidable. And while like we, you know, sort of what we do tongue in cheek with Logan Paul, I feel like it's put upon us a little bit. And she's not like, I mean, she's sort of like now reintroduced herself to Twitter slowly. I think like she just sort of tweeted one day and it wasn't like a big I'm back sort of thing, which I think was her one of her mistakes, you know, the last couple of times she's tried to reengage mm. Twitter. But this is like mostly about her throwing a squid game party and posting it all over the internet. Well, mostly just to her Instagram, I would say, and it getting a lot of traction and people saying how tone deaf it was of her to throw a party about Squid Game, considering that the entire show is about like the negative effects of capitalism and what it does to people. And I don't know, like, I kind of feel like my, my takeaway at this point is like maybe she's just not meant for this like life, not like this celebrity life. Do you know what I mean? Mhm, mm mhm. Mm it's like this is also giving me shades of like when Kylie had that Handmaid's Tale themed party, and like it's really hard. Like I personally think like the average Joe would be able to do that without any without any fear of anything you know without people in your life coming to you and saying well excuse me I think that's actually very insensitive because you've missed the point of the television show and therefore you cannot throw a party I was thinking like, the same thing Tiffany keep going <gasps> twinsies but I think I don't know it's like a like it's like the thing itself is not a big deal like it's not a big deal it's like at what point are we gonna like at what point do you like let a thing go like is it is the fact that like the creators of the squid game would have made a shit load of money also like in poor taste and insensitive because it's therefore they are benefiting from capitalism i mean it's like just lighten up bob like everybody <laughs> like step the fuck back but i get but i get your point because chrissy teigen's a celebrity and people are so up her ass and so waiting for her to fuck up in some way that everything she does is a perceived fuck up like everything sometimes she does fuck up but sometimes it's just a squid game party and you need to get the fuck over it That's so like opinion. it's it's like column a column b right because we lizzo did the doll from squid games a couple of weeks back at like a, a big concert of hers i think for right. halloween and it was like everyone loved it mm -hmm. it was like Great. And I guess, you know, if we want to talk about capitalism, yes, I guess she's like making money at her concert too. This is just so, it's so exhausting. And no one did that to Lizzo, who people also really like to pick on for like different reasons than Chrissy Teigen, entirely different reasons, actually. But 
it's, you know, you'd be the biggest hit on your block if you and your whole family got together and like the baby dressed as the doll. You know, you'd be the biggest hit (laughs) on Reddit. Everyone would love to see that. And it wouldn't be like, oh, capitalism. You know, (laughs) it would it's the critical lens that's being held up to it is is mostly, I think, because people don't like Chrissy Teigen. And I mean, she gets shit for even posting things that are fairly unoffensive. You know, it's just like even when she went on Kelly Clarkson recently, there was just like weird weight hanging in the room and I wasn't even there, you know, and it's just it it almost feels like I don't know how someone like that comes back from this, especially when they're married to someone so famous. And mm. I think that she might have even considered staying out of the limelight as much as she could, but she had to promote her book that just came out. Yeah. But like, what does someone like that do? Because she can't move away from Hollywood and then reemerge in five years like a a person who only makes good decisions. It it almost feels to me, seriously, I, I don't know why. It feels like she's not meant to be famous. Right. I think like the environment, like while she was off Twitter, she was still on Instagram. And I think like the the nature of Instagram and the nature of what she was posting, which was mostly food and like cute little videos of Mars and Luna. And like, she was just being like rich Hollywood mom. There wasn't a whole lot of like horrible backlash. I think like the thing about a tweet is that like, it is like designed to be deeply disposable and just like firing off something into the universe. And that is a pitfall for someone I think like Chrissy Teigen, who is I actually think probably really lovely and really funny and like really well liked in her real life, but it just doesn't like something doesn't translate on that platform in particular because there's just like, there's a snake pit beneath her. (laughs) Like just waiting. She seems like she would be a really fun person to hang out with. Like if Chrissy Teigen was just like the coolest mom in her area with like a very wealthy and successful husband and she had her whole, like, you know, she had her talents and like, I feel like Chrissy Teigen would translate very well to like a small community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And she would make like great dishes for the potlucks. Yes. And like, yeah, a great host, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, whatever. But like, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's just something at this point, I'm like, how does she win? But mm. you pointed out, I didn't see this. She fired back at BuzzFeed because BuzzFeed, you know, had her trending. Like she was fully trending for this party. Even when the Rittenhouse verdict came back, I noticed that she was she was trending right next to it, which is right. absurd. Yeah, it's totally absurd. It's, it's bizarre. But I mean, I think... <sighs> Also, a lot of, I think, what Chris, like, sometimes when Chrissy fires back or when Chrissy, when Chrissy responds to something, she responds like a regular person. Like, she totally, uh, and, like, which is, which is, I think, the joy of her. I think that's, like, the appeal of her, but it's also her biggest downfall. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's, well, like, there's this thing with a lot of America, right, where they don't like to be spoken down to. Like, they per- they perceive Hollywood as, like, looking down on them mm-hmm. or, like, being smarter than them in this sort of way where it's, like, 
unnecessarily defensive. And so I think that they just see her making these comments and like, I don't know, I, I see this so much like now in the spaces that I'm in online because I'm like sort of out of I'm Twitter's like, you know, of course I'm on Twitter and I check Twitter, but like, I'm not, I, I'm so aware of the bubble I'm in on Twitter that I kind of like check it last. I'm more likely to go to Reddit or even TikTok. And I see people in comments and I think maybe because I've lived in LA for so long and I just also am not like particularly like seduced by celebrity. I forget that people see someone like her and they're like, she thinks she's so great. She thinks she's hot shit. Like if you go on one of those Reddits, that's like where they discuss like Hilaria Baldwin or whatever, it's like so out of, it's so out of proportion with what you would imagine goes through like a real person's head, even a person who's faking Spanish (laughs) heritage, Spanish heritage, I should say. Like, it's like, she's like straight up, like, you know, they're like, Oh, she thinks she's so famous. And like when Alec gets sued and they lose all their money, like (laughs) she's going to be broke living in Boston and everyone's going to call her Hillary. And she's going to hate that. (laughs) She thinks she's, and I'm like, Oh, I forget that people like get that worked up about celebrity. And I see, yes, it's very obvious now. Like even just thinking about that, taking myself to the dark comment sections of Reddit where People speculate on what a celebrity is like to the point that they no longer are painting a picture of a human. I think that, yeah, you're right. She triggers something in a lot of people. And it's that, it's that part. Right. There's also like with a certain person like Chrissy, and I think like I'm I'm trying to sort of identify who these other ones will be coming up, but like there is a you have a very like small finite window as a, a person of celebrity to be um relatable fun. And um, like Jennifer Lawrence, I think, suffered from this syndrome a lot as well, which is like for a a very short amount of time, everybody loves you because you're just like us. And then it very quickly turns toxic. And if you're trying to recapture the feeling of when people first liked you because of your relatability, but the conversation has moved on from your relatability, then you're always going to be playing a game that you're going to lose, which is like, no matter what she does, no matter how sort of, you know, relatable shit, people will see that as like manipulation. It's same with like Jennifer Lawrence. Now, if she was to like trip and fall, people would be like, she planned that. Like that was like a stage trip and fall, you know, whatever it is. So you just have this tiny window to be relatable. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it's the overexposure thing, too, because once someone is deemed, like, relatable, everyone wants them everywhere. And that, I think, happened with Jennifer Lawrence, too, where I think we're at the point with her being overexposed that there's probably some people who have convinced themselves that she's not even a very good actress. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know, like, they're like, she's not actually that good. Like, I remember seeing that happen with, like, Lindsay Lohan people being like you know well she's not she's not even that good of an actress and it's like no I think everyone's just like sick of her like I think people are just sick of her and she keeps fucking up and so now she's known for this other thing maybe Chrissy Teigen should move to Dubai and come back in in a Christmas movie on Netflix (gasps) oh my god I'm so excited for that just sidebar nation I'm so excited for that like I can't I can't cope with how excited I am about that dude if any okay, if you don't know what's what we're talking about, Lindsay Lohan is making a Christmas movie for Netflix, and like the first picture of her in it came out, and she looks phenomenal. 
She looks so good. She really mm. does. Like, I didn't even know. Like, she looks like she had years taken off of her face. She mm. looks like she looks like her old self. Like her old smile is back. That great red color we all love isn't like her. She just looks like a renewed version of herself. Like almost as if all of those years didn't happen. She looks like very happy and healthy. And I think like this is what she was born to do. Like being a Netflix Christmas movie about someone who owns a ski lodge and gets a head injury and amnesia. Like that is in, if you were playing bingo for all of the things that I'm interested in, these are all of the things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I am. Um... I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I would like to think that this is where her career would have like naturally wound up anyway. Mm. I agree. She would have been like much like Lacey Sharber, who's like the queen, you know, Lacey who was in uh, Mean Girls 2 is now the queen of Hallmark. Like maybe That's it's right. time for Lindsay to come and be like the queen of Netflix kind of made for TV movies. Just knock her off her perch. I've been fascinated with her voice since Party of Five. Really? <laughs> well, like she, when she was a little girl, she had a voice that was like almost too of a like too much of a little girl to be a little girl's voice. Like it was an impression of someone doing like <laughs> a little girl's voice, right? But now, like she, I don't know, she still had that in Mean Girls. Does she still have that really like high pitched voice? She kind of does. Yeah, I've actually, um, I. I love a, I love Hallmark, like, so, you know, obviously Lifetime too, of course, but I have a, a real deep love for Hallmark movies. And, um, I did fall down like a Lacey hole last Christmas <laughs> where I basically watched all of Lacey's Christmas movies, including, um, and it's not my favorite, but my favorite one is obviously that Netflix one where Kristen Davis goes to an ele elephant sanctuary at Christmas time. But she, a uh, Lacey does a similar one where I think she, inherit I don't know there's something to do with her being in like South Africa on safari I love Christmas on safari that is like oh it's my kryptonite and she is a web designer in that and as I recall she does have exactly the same voice and the same face she's ageless yep she sure is she sure is yeah she really is one of those she hasn't aged at all same with Candace Cameron Bure who like mm -hmm. really she still looks like DJ Tanner like straight off season season two so the little like buzzfeed thing was that you know they had posted in this 25 things from small businesses that are perfect for anyone who loves squid games article <laughs> like it's basically all like affiliate links to yeah that's what buzzfeed does mm -hmm. they do affiliate links that's one of the many ways that they stay alive <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering oh is buzzfeed still alive you know, I, I have to wonder, like, did they pay for, like, a constant feature on the Twitter, like, trending stories? They had to have because it's always, like, they always have this featured, like, block at the top of a story. Like, especially with Twitter is such, like, dog shit when it comes to figuring out why something's trending. Like, right now the Quran is trending and I couldn't tell you why. But, like... Oh, it's obnoxious. It's the it's, worst. It's so bad. You have to, it takes so long to find out why something's trending. So I guess it's like, because they had a partnership with, is it CNN or when another news channel? I guess BuzzFeed is also like in that, in that sphere, in that zone. So I guess that it's kind of feeding itself into itself. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I well, I signed up for Twitter Blue on the Trend Lightly account. Oh. Do you know about Twitter Blue? No, is it cool? I don't know. It's like this new feature and for 2.99 a month, it's like paying for premium Twitter. Let me okay. look it up right now for you. See what I'm getting for my money. I decided to sign up because I was like, well, I mean, if I'm going to sign up for anything like this, it should be on my account for my podcast about the internet. But okay, let's see. Twitter blue. So I click this little thing that comes up. So you can do undo tweet, which select which types of tweets you want to undo before they're public, plus the length of your undo period. So you have you have it for original tweets, replies, threads, quote tweets, poll tweets, view tweets after 20 seconds, and then you get this undo timing thing of like up to 60 seconds. So if you're like, I actually don't want to send that tweet, you can cancel. There's also like basically like you can choose the font for your reader. You can choose the theme of your account, what color you do. I'm switching (laughs) ours to orange right now. You can choose the app icon for your Twitter icon. So like for right now, I could add a, I'm going to add the seasonal gourds to my home screen. Sure. I'm going with the seasonal gourds and then custom navigation, ad free sites. So like I can use, I can use it ad free essentially. And then there's some a bunch of features that they're practice or like trying out right now, one of which is like longer videos, which feels oh. huge. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I'm mostly I mostly am doing it just to you know, it's like a fun little gamble. Why not? <laughs> Two ninety nine a month for the podcast, of course. Yeah, of course. Anything for the pod. Two ninety nine? Are you kidding? Anything for the pod. Well, Anything. <laughs> speaking of, of spending money online, JoJo Siwa is the new face of Cash App for Teens. Ah, <gasps> uh, at last. So Cash App, I actually do think this is cool that Cash App is now available for teenagers, not because I feel like, not just because I feel like, you know, teenagers deserve ways to move around the world with money. And it's also a safer way to do it for a lot of people um, than giving your kids cash or a credit card. But I think it's also like important for kids who like might need to get out of their house, like kids who are in unsafe environments. Like it's nice to know that they have access to something like this now, because when I was a kid, like, you know, you had a piggy bank. And a lot of people, a lot of kids aren't able to keep piggy banks because their parents have like drug problems or something, or they're saving to get out of their abusive house, you know? Yeah. And we're living in a a society that's just increasingly cashless. Like certainly here, post pandemic, most businesses are like very, um, I mean, they can't say that you can't pay in cash, but they're they're pretty much cash free. They would prefer contactless payments. So like- accessing that's another thing like accessing services if you don't have a bank account or don't have a way of using money is like is huge like you can't access a lot of services without without that yeah yeah I mean I don't know I think it's great and so they chose no one but Jojo Siwa to Mm. introduce their product to the world she's doing this ad and I have a theory on this ad I'm going to play it for you first If you go all the way back to episode one of this show, you will hear, you'll get a sense of what JoJo's normal speaking voice sounds like. This is what we get on the Cash App ad. Hey, everyone. 
everyone, it's JoJo. I am so happy because now Cash App is available for anyone 13 and up. I'm so thrilled that more young people now can take advantage of their financial futures with smart tools designed just for us. Now anyone 13 and up can get their very own free cash card to spend at their favorite places too. You can even design the card yourself in the app and you save instantly when you spend with discounts called Boost. This is everything, you guys. All you got to do is download Cash App to create a free account, then send your parent or guardian for approval, and boom! That's it. It's that easy. Okay, I'm excited about this, and I want to celebrate. So, to celebrate Cash App being available for teens, I'm giving out $1 million today via Cash App, too. So, get your cash tags ready and drop them below with hashtag cash app 13 plus for a chance to get blessed. Oh my gosh, this is the best day ever. I love you all so much. Okay. <laughs> so did you hear what I told you before we started? Did you hear what I was hearing? Yeah, particularly at the very, very beginning. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think this was slowed down like 50%. I will also say that it's at one minute and 12 seconds. So it might've also been done to meet the time right? limit because this is an ad. So it could have been like, it must be at least 60 seconds, but Jojo's never taken 60 seconds to describe something like this. <laughs> also, I mean, like, you know, when I, sometimes I have been making films that are, you know, part of my job, which is branded content and ads. I, like on more than one occasion in an edit, I have insisted that somebody be slowed up, uh, slowed down or sped up, but like by like 15 or 20%. So the person never knows that we've done that necessarily, but it meets the, it meets what we need it to basically, because sometimes people speak too quickly or too slow. Like it just, it just That's happens. Genius. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. That's genius. I would, one thing that always like blows my mind is that some people listen to podcasts on like one and a half or two times speed oh my god I could not and I I already feel like I talk so fast that I just don't believe you can hear anything <laughs> no but yeah I, I I mean what do you think about this I I think that Jojo is coming into her own I do want to say I think she'll be capable of giving a very calm reading like this at some point in the future yeah I mean the other theory is that Jojo herself is um, is doing like a soft launch of like a new speed that she's going to speak at and maybe like e like every week she gives herself like a little bit five percent slower a little bit five percent slower and then and then tonally it's going to get a little less high until eventually she sounds like just rich chocolate velvet I hope when you guys are hearing this she's just one dancing with the stars yeah same I'm proud of her. So proud of Jojo. She's doing it. All right. So there's this girl in New York who was riding home from work on the subway and she saw a very like unofficial sort of, you know, some tarps laid down and a guy who was wearing a mask in the subway selling them on these like selling these paintings on this tarp. And they're very like obvious you know, Banksy style at the very least. Banksy does have an exhibit coming out called Unauthorized. I think maybe next week 
or something in New York. So like him being around town, making mischief isn't com- completely out of line as a thought. Right. And he he's he has done a stunt that is exactly this stunt previously a couple of years ago. And people made bank from it. Like that's the other that's the other thing that's so like great about this is that it really is. It's just like giving back. It's people taking a chance on you know, the street art that could easily just be a knockoff and, you know, paying for their lives with it. So this young woman found who she believed to be Banksy and bought two pieces. And this is the TikTok she made about it. The first one of 20. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I hope this is kind of coherent. I'm like shaking and maybe I'm just going to make myself look like an absolute idiot and people will be making fun of people like me on the news or um on tiktok soon but i i don't know i just i can't stop shaking at the the chance that maybe this is real i was just on my way home from work and i had to switch trains um i live in new york city and i was coming home from the west side to the east side and um i had to switch trains at one of the stops um and i passed this art exhibit in the subway station that was just like the banksy exhibits or the the Banksy sales from like London and other times he was in New York. So one thing that's interesting about this video is that she's filming it like in a floor length mirror. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? A, fl- a full length mirror. Jesus length Christ. Mirror. <laughs> it a sounded full right length though. Mirror. And um, she, you know, which is fine. Like some people do that also. Like she, maybe she's not comfortable like speaking directly to camera, but she keeps doing these zoom outs. And I'm like, girl, like your body is banging. I want those pants. Like I love that little sweater. I could never pull that off, but it looks great on you. I'm so distracted by her outfit at this point that I'm like kind of believing the Banksy thing because it's like, <laughs> it's like something about this girl's. I'm like, she really is kind of like that clueless but sweet person who would like accidentally buy two Banksy's she's giving smoke and mirrors (laughs) literally (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and his exhibit is coming up it's opening very soon um I was just reading about it and I really want to go see his New York exhibit and so I passed this this they, they were just like pieces of art scattered on the subway not on the train, but at the subway stop floor, like no tarp, no plastic, nothing protecting them, just on the floor with a, a piece of caution tape around it. And I didn't want to film because I, I just, I, I respect, you know, if it was Banksy, if it was him, I, I didn't want to, you know, make too light of it. So I didn't film it, but I, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And it was his classic, like, uh, cash or Bitcoin only. This is not a photo opportunity, like signs. And there was nobody there. I looked around. I literally, I looked left and right. And there was nobody there. These paintings were just there. And, I, you know, people could have just taken one. You could have just picked one up and ran. So I got on my second train. And I went home and I made it all the way home. And my stomach just hurt so bad. My, I just, something in me was like, go back. So I literally got off my train, stopped at the first ATM I could find, took out, you know, as much as I, I wanted to buy. And, and. I literally got back on the train. It's 10 o'clock at night. I have work tomorrow morning. It's 10 o'clock at night. I got back on the train. I went back to the west side. Oh, my God. See, this is where, again, again, where I'm sort of buying it. And I'm kind of like, 
like I I don't know. I know that like I I I want to believe these are real Banksies for her because she's so like normal and bad at telling a story. (laughs) (laughs) Then I like really want this for her. Can I give you my hot take? Uh huh. So the place where I live, Bristol, is the home of Banksy. So there's Banksy's everywhere. He's he was born here. This is his city. There are literally, there are everywhere. You can find Banksy's everywhere. He's done a bunch of pretty big exhibits here, like authorized big exhibits. There was one at the Museum of Bristol, which is actually my favorite one that I went to before I'd even moved here. Then there was a huge one called Dismaland. So I'm like, I wouldn't call myself a Banksy fan, but I live in Bristol and Banksy is Bristol's favorite son. So you can't help but... um, I'm so jealous that you got to go to Dismaland. It was actually super fun. And like, I don't know, weird fun fact. I um I went to this bit in the exhibit that was a like a library and a caravan. And I opened a book and another street artist had made these little fun little bits of art that he had just scattered throughout Dismaland. And I found it in this book and so I took it home and then I found the artist and I messaged him and I was like, hey, I think I found your art. Because it was like, it basically was like steal this piece of art. So I did and I was like, oh, I've got it. And he was like, oh, cool. That's exactly as I intended it. So it was like, there was some really fun little like gorilla Easter egg things going on. But TLDR, as far as I'm aware, like I checked the, there's only like one, well, there's like two mouthpieces for the official Banksy. It's like banksy.co.uk. The unauthorized show is unauthorized. It's not actually a Banksy show that's certified by him. The one that's happening in New York by Mm -hmm. the looks of it. The other thing is the quality of the artworks that she has bought. The stencil work is actually super sloppy, kind of. Yeah. And that makes me question because like even in the bits of, you know, bits of street art that were just put up, you know, that have to be done under the cover of darkness and put up and done, they're like very tight like the lines are really really tight mm-hmm. um so I think that someone maybe has gone to a very uh, I don't know someone's someone's gone to a great deal of effort to make something look like it's legit fake fake legit my I call cap but call I'm happy cap? To, like hard I'm happy to be proven wrong I think it'd be really cool but when he did that initial thing on the street where people could buy the artwork from the from the art seller they basically said like the statement was that like this is never going to happen again because yeah in order to stop people from doing this and scamming people and making money off like fake banksies because people are buying them thinking that they might get a real one and you know because of the legend of it all right so I've got a funny feeling that god bless her but like something about the the quality of the work and the like the statement that it's like a heavy no that they would ever do it again speaks to me as a no it just feels like a bit regressive as well to like pull the same stunt twice like that doesn't feel very Banksy yeah um well let's finish like this little video in which she gets her to probably fake Banksy's from the east side and I was just praying that it would still be there Nobody was paying attention the first time I passed it. Everyone was just walking by. So when I got back, a couple people had stopped and were looking. And, and I looked around and somebody gave like, kind of a slight nod. And I see this guy just standing full face covered, ski mask. Like, and I went up to him and I was like, are you selling those? 
And he just nodded. He wouldn't talk. He did not speak. He just nodded yes. And he walked me over to them. And I gave him the money. And I said, I'll take two. And now here they are. And again, maybe I'm just going to sound like an absolute idiot. But honestly, the, the value of this art, the, the way it's making me feel right now, it might as well be a Banksy. This excitement and this hope. I haven't, I haven't been this excited in so long. And even if it's not Banksy, all I want to say is thank you, whoever set up that exhibit. Thank you. See, that's what I like about her is that, like, I agree, especially looking at it again. It's like a rat with a parachute and it's like a little girl with a gun. OK, so mm -hmm. I agree. It's it's it looks it looks nothing like a Banksy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. It looks like, you know, maybe if you went to like a carnival for adults and they were doing some sort of face paint like maybe that's the type of stencil they would have like it looks mm -hmm. very mm, yeah but I like her attitude about it and Same. you know there's a lot of people are pushing back on her there's all these like you know stories being written about her but I really liked this video she made sort of when all of these people were like really coming at her about how fake it was because you know like there's People can't just like let it be fake. They have to make her feel bad about them mm -hmm. being fake, which is like, that's just classic internet. They have to make her feel like a fucking idiot for even believing that there was a chance they were real, which is so boring, but what people do. So she, um, I thought this was like a really, she was all emotional about it. I thought this was really sweet. Hi, I'm getting so many comments about a Reddit thread that is talking about the authenticity of these Banksy's um, or of these paintings and whether they are Banksy's or not. I would love to read it. I've seen one or two comments claiming that I'm ignoring anybody that brings up this Reddit thread because it proves that they aren't real. I promise you I'm not. I wish I could make, I guess I could, make a video of my notifications today. They are insane. I open notifications and before I can even hit one, they refresh and it's a whole new batch and they're gone forever. I'm sorry if I've ignored anybody. This is overwhelming for me. It's very exciting, it's very fun, but I'm not trying to ignore anyone. The only thing I really wanna say though regarding like the Reddit thread or anyone that's like, you won't authenticate these because you don't wanna be wrong. I, I don't think you watched my videos and I don't think you understood the point of them if you did. I'm living in the experience of being excited about them maybe being real, whatever that means. Art isn't real or fake. Yes, they can be real and authentic to this artist and painted by him or her or whoever Banksy is. I'm not trying to avoid n knowing if they are authentic or not. I am purposely, actively making the choice to live in the moment of not knowing, at least for a little while, because it's exciting and it's fun and I don't think I owe it to anybody to let you guys know if they're authentic or not. It was about the experience. Okay. Oh. I actually find that to be like so sweet. And I, Same. I know that like I, there's a part of me that would be like would have been very annoyed by that when I was younger and probably even been like, God, she's in such denial. <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't know I just think it's I just think it's really sweet and there was a, a video she made you know where she was just like 
kind of crying about it. I'm not going to play that one. It's all it's all going to be in the description as long as along with some other links or always are. Yeah, she just was saying that like it's so it's been so meaningful for her to see so many other people get excited for her and with her. And I don't know, like I've just I don't think I could imagine someone making the most of it more or like understanding the purpose of art more oh totally it, that it's very endearing and she's absolutely right like it it if it doesn't matter to her like if she's enjoying living in the experience I think it's kind of like you know if you buy a lottery ticket from the time you buy it until the time the you know the lottery is drawn you can live in the fantasy of thinking that you might be like a multi-millionaire overnight it doesn't mean that when you buy the ticket like it's definitely going to be it's it's definitely the winning ticket right like you buy it you buy it for the fantasy you buy it for like the few days you get to like dream and look at houses on Zillow and decide which one you would buy and like it doesn't really you don't have to you know on some level you know that you're not going to win the lottery but like it doesn't really matter because you're enjoying it and just being present in it yeah Good for her, honey. Good you know what? Her. You've got a great body, great <laughs> pants. I loved those pants. Awesome top. Cute apartment. Really cute apartment. And uh, great attitude. I'm happy ten, for ten. you, babe. Yeah. Can I tell you an art story that'll make your toes curl? <laughs> please. Oh, my God. Please. As in, like, I, I feel, like, sickeningly jealous. So a friend of mine, he's a designer, and he's he's doing fine art and stuff at the moment. He's doing, like, his, like, master's. And he messaged me, and he, we were just chatting, like, oh, what have you been up to? And he said, oh, I um, I bought this Lucian Freud print, like, a signed Lucian Freud print on eBay. He said, I always keep my eye out for them because, as you know, they sell a lot of fakes on eBay, but actually, occasionally, there are some real ones. Um, and I really wanted one, so I bought it, and I paid I think he said he paid 500 pounds for it. TLDR, it was real. It was a real print that had been signed by the artist. And it was in a current exhibition that was coming up of um, Lucian Freud's, uh, I can't remember if they were like etchings, but anyway, I think the exhibition's coming up in the next couple of months. They used the picture that's used on the print on the front cover of the exhibition sort of guide so he took it he took his print and um, got it authenticated and valued uh, and it's worth around 20,000 pounds oof yeah that's <laughs> oh, that's rough to hear that's rough to hear that's I mean that's amazing for your friend but I oh know my I God. fucking hate him for that I hate him for it <laughs> my friend Krista who's a a great friend of the show and the network and just a great friend to me. She was, I don't know. I think we were on stereo one day, just shooting the shit. And I was again, like going on about Pokemon cards or something, probably because my internet boyfriend, Telly bought me a holographic Squirtle. That's why. And Krista, Telly came into the stereo and Krista was like, Oh yeah, that's crazy about Pokemon. I didn't know they were worth so much. Like I have a whole, binder of them somewhere around here and we were like what do you mean and she's like yeah I have like 90s 1990s like a like original Pokemon cards like in a binder I was like obsessed with them and so she has like a binder full of mint condition first edition Pokemon cards like holographics rares you name it and I was like you are like you're sitting on a 
that's a treasure chest. But mm-hmm. I think that she has to move now. So Krista is selling her Pokemon cards. So if there's any reputable Pokemon dealers out there that you suggest she gets in touch with, uh, let us know. I'm looking to make that hook up for her. Logan. Save. But I felt sick. I was like, I feel nauseous. Like when she was telling me, I'm like, you have like, that's so much money. Like, mm-hmm. and, and out of the most unexpected place too. Oh my God. I think it's the, it's the fantasy and the dream that we all have is that somewhere in, in amongst all of our shit, we've got like a piece of rarefied gold. Yeah. It's the dream. It's the dream we all live for. Like, I still think like about old like wallets like with crypto in them that like have just had like bits of like bitcoin i can't even and i and it makes me feel ill <laughs> to know that i can never find or access that did you know there's a guy who he's actually from south wales which is where i'm from originally who threw his hard drive away and it has like something like 50 million dollars worth of bitcoin on it oh yeah no i know him because that poor son of a bitch gets dragged out every single time bitcoins in the news again and i I feel awful for him and like that's like why i feel like i have to have such like a i don't know i have to have a very like divorced mentality from like a lot of my things like that like i just cannot spend time thinking about like all the Litecoin that I bought from like 12 to $27 that are like in that locked account. I can't spend time thinking about that because like, I'll just never move past it. So it's just sort of like, there are no mistakes in crypto. Like just, you know, you got to buy dips moving forward. Like that was money that you were willing to lose at the time. So it's not the end of the world anyway. You know, I just, it's, uh, what, what can you do? But no, we all, right. I mean, listen, I'm tired of the hedge funds, though, manipulating us day in and day out. I'm over it. I cannot. I do. I truly, I tweeted this, but I truly do believe it's true. Something to do with AMC is tied to my menstrual cycle. I can't explain it. And I'm sorry to everybody. <laughs> but no, I, I agree think with it's you. Me. <laughs> I agree with you because, well, first of all, there are cycles. In, yes. in all trends, but also the moon is tied to your period. Mm-hmm. And I think the moon is very tied to crypto. Agree. And AMC. And AMC and crypto might as well be the same thing because there's so much manipulation. I'm just so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> but eventually we will go to the moon. And so I'm fine with that. It's we taking will. a little longer than I wanted it to, but whatever. We will. So this hat thing, this hat thing is like, I think it's the same science behind the dress. Mm. dress. What team were you on for the dress? Blue and gold or blue and black or white and gold? Blue and black. I'm white and gold. I don't know how (gasps) you saw it. I don't know how you saw it. I can't imagine. Wow. What is it like to be you? (laughs) I think your eyes are inside out. That's very true. But, you know, um, as you know, I am a great and emerging artist myself, and I don't really truly see color. I think if you've seen any of the Trend Lightly no, <laughs> cover artworks. Are you kidding me? You're an incredible artist, and we're so lucky to have those artworks. Are you kidding me? Even last week when you were at your grandparents' house, you you hobbled together that gorgeous image of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> 
how was visiting your grandparents? Like, do you want to re- unpack your vacation or anything at all? Like, I, we just kind of skipped over the fact that you've been gone for a week. Yeah, I mean, the main thing for me that I've done that I I put in some work with. Okay, so like, I I was staying with them, and I was a little bit worried because I feel like there's been a chasm between myself and my grandparents politically for a little while, and the only thing I really have to base this on is short conversations where they might occasionally say something that annoys me on the phone, or some kind of bullshit Facebook post that they put up. So I was like concerned that we would argue <laughs> the whole time, but it turns out they don't, they don't care to do that because they were just happy to see their grandchild. That said, did I start some shit? I absolutely did. I had to for my own safety and sanity. I had to, I had to. And the main thing for me is that I've learned that like my grandmother is more receptive to my bullshit. And my entry point for her was like, i she was talking about uh she was reading the newspaper and she was talking about like I don't know something to do with like Prince Andrew or whatever and um I basically made her watch a documentary about Ghislaine Maxwell and she was like she was in she was right in then like she was in the pocket and I was like great and then I was like this is how it happens online (laughs) like with, with boomers you just have to give them like one thing that's like deliciously ripe and in my case like the gateway drug was Ghislaine Maxwell and then I was like okay great like now she's in I can start like radicalizing her (laughs) well listen you cannot underestimate like I always think fondly about the fact that like I'm an 80s baby so like I was born during like the tabloid boom Mm -hmm. and like you cannot underestimate how much they loved that like your grandparents are part of the reason like that whole generation is part of the reason why like gossip culture got to the point that it did with Britney Spears and things are crazy in your country by the way oh it's insane the the tabloid newspapers have my grandparents in a chokehold like for sure they buy the papers every day they like it's the thing that my vampy does in the morning he goes and gets them and then they sit and read them and they do the crosswords and then I have to sit there like ruining everybody's fun at the party and be like you know, that's like, you know, that's Rupert Murdoch, right? You know, like he's evil. Let me tell you all the reasons why Rupert Murdoch's evil. So I think like, <laughs> I think I was, I was in danger of ruining their good time, but it was very fun. I got fed very frequently and I taught my nan, uh, this is the best thing I did. I would taught my nan crafts that I'd seen on TikTok and I told her that I made them up. So <laughs> Oh, that's like, great. She's not going to know. <laughs> she doesn't have TikTok. <laughs> what did you what did you take credit for? That one where you put like like craft glue and food coloring inside bottles and you bake it in the oven and it tints the glass. Oh, I didn't know that. She must have loved that. She loved it. We spent a whole afternoon doing it. We like had we had like wine. We sat at the kitchen table. We were like tinting these glasses. And then I and then she said, Can you write it down for me so I can remember how to do it? So I like typed her up a little craft sheet and then I took pictures of the internet and printed it out for her. And then she said that she wanted me to make her a binder of crafts. So that she, I like basically like uh, my gift to her is I'm going to go on Pinterest. I'm going to find a bunch of shit and print it and send it to her. That is so exciting. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm glad that she loves crafts. See, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the most delightful, like warm and lovely people. And um, <laughs> they, and, and they don't engage with culture, I think, on a level that I do. They just watch like the same three shows over and over again and like read the same 
stuff in the newspapers. So basically anything I tell or show them blows their mind. And it's such a uniquely powerful position to be in. Yeah. No, I I do love that. I do love that. Even with like my mom, though, I feel like because even though she's dialed in and like understands what's going on in the world, like there's still such a learning curve. And of course, yes, she absolutely thinks I make up every everything I say. Did I tell you my manager thought I invented YOLO? (laughs) (laughs) Did you? (laughs) No, of course not. But like he like definitely was laughing like a little too hard. And I was like, oh, honey, I didn't come up with that. He's like, what's that thing you said last time? YOMO? And I said, you know, YOLO. And he was like, oh, my God, that's so great. And I'm like, no, babe. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, that's – I mean, that's good. I, well, here's my thing, right? I need to know about this from your POV because I – one of my pastimes is to stalk, like, QAnon people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's always gotten me is like when like some guy will come in, he'll be like, you know, I'm here. I'm coming here from, I don't know, Ireland. And like, I'm with you guys in the fight. And I'm like, what do you have in this? Like what, like what stakes in the game do you have in this? So what's up with people like in your part of the world, like giving a shit about (laughs) QAnon? How does that, I mean, I know it's all like that ties into some of the, you know, the elites or whatever. But like, I kind of feel like the whole hook with QAnon is that you have to really be mostly concerned about what's going on in America. I agree. I agree. But like, lest we forget, like America is like dominant culture for most of the West. And so it's always wild to me in particular when there was a lot of like British Trump supporters, because I was like, what? Get a hobby. Like, are you for real? I always feel like like a like I have a special interest in the United States because I spend a lot of time there and my husband is there and and I could live there if I wanted to I guess but like I don't understand like I've got I've got skin in the game right like so anything to do with like Trump and immigration was interesting to me because it would it it would have directly influenced perhaps where I would have spent time living like for me personally but I always found it really odd, like that people in my country would be, I mean, a supportive, cause that seems bizarre. That seems really odd, but be like involved at all. And the QAnon thing in particular feels very, I mean, it, if you start like unpicking the tendrils of it, first of all, it gets very, very boring, you know, when you have to sort of understand the U.S. political system to at least like a a little bit of a degree to understand like the sort of the corruption in Washington and the swamp and like whatever it's like all of the all of that stuff is not part of your I don't know it's not part of your normal lexicon so it just seems it seems odd but I think it's probably I don't know it's because America sets the cultural tone so and like schizophrenia knows no location you know I mean there's always that too but yeah I mean like listen I I get I feel like the world has to be involved with America in some way just surely because like we make most of the entertainment I think for like the world you know of course every place has their own entertainment but I feel like our movies go everywhere in a big way our music goes everywhere in a big way and also because we're very influential. Like that's also part of it is that America like does make a lot of decisions, but mm-hmm. like, you know, listen, the Royals are really interesting to get in on. And I guess in some ways that's slightly political, but 
I could not give two shits less what any other government in any other country is doing. And I certainly can't imagine the way the American government works is so, I mean, it's, it's boring. It's boring. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine being, I can't imagine being invested, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, here's a, here's a quick pop quiz. How many UK political figures do you know the names of? Like maybe two, but that's the prime minister. (laughs) No, like literally I'm thinking of like Margaret Thatcher. Oh. <laughs> do you know that do you know the current prime minister? Mm, is it a J name? No. Well, yeah, kind of. Surname is a J. I don't know. Boris Johnson. That's it. See? That's all but that's all you need to know because that you him? Don't- yeah. Do you know that my local member of parliament, and this is the best name I've ever heard, is a woman called Thangham Debonair? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's iconic. <laughs> she And she's also, like, I voted for her. She's incredible. She's, like, she's such an incredible figure. She, like, got voted into parliament and then immediately got very, very sick with breast cancer and then just, like, just decided to grind it out and is, like, there every week in Westminster she like reads questions out that you send her. She responds. Her office is really responsive. We stan Thangam Debonair. I was just going to say, I feel like I stan her. That was the word that came to mind as well. That was yeah. exactly the word that came to mind. See, now you know three political figures. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, like, listen, I'm sure like there's, I mean, there's standouts in any category, right? Like everyone likes the, you know, the kind of people who have like the silly stories. Like I'm sure there's, you know, senators or whatever that are world famous just because they're idiots. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, if you guys are involved with QAnon, write in and let us know why. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> so there's this thing called the hat. That's well, that's what I call it. This woman, Otelia Carmen, I think her name is. She bought this color shifting hat that goes from brown to green, depending on the lights. Here is the first video I'll play. This is of her like taking it out of the house because she did all like the normal TikTok rounds that you do when someone's trying to like prove something like you show it, you know, in this type of light in that type of light walking out of the house turning 360 to prove that it's not edited. So in this one, she's brought it over to like a family member's house to do this like hat thing, this hat experiment in real life with other people. So I guess, I don't know, your assumption here is like, wow, she'd be a real psychopath to get everyone on board with this this hat. I don't know why this is, makes it more credible, but it does. Um, okay, here's this clip. What color does it look like? Okay, it looks brown. Okay. What color does it look like? Still brown, like a light brown. Okay, you ready? Okay, so it's like a brown, as you heard, it's like a brown hat, brown knitted hat. But this woman bought the hat because it it was like more of like an olive green color on the website, but it shows up and it's brown. And in this video, she's starting in front of one lamp, which does it does have a different type of light bulb. Mm-hmm. It does. One looks like more of a white light and the other one looks more like a yellow light. But as she's bringing it across the room, 
the color of the hat slowly changes from the brown, like the almost like chocolate brown color to the green. Yeah. I think it is the bulb though. It must be the bulb. I mean, it's fucking infuriating is what it is. Yeah. She does go on to explain it. And I'm like, oh God, I hate, I hate it when like science is the answer. I hate it. (laughs) I hate whenever it's a mystery and they're like, wow, actually it's scientific. It's like, shut up. I don't care. No one fucking cares about science, you idiot. Like I I can't. There's something about information to do with light refraction that my brain simply refuses to absorb. Like I watched this clip and I was like, I don't know. Yeah, you sound like a big virgin to me. Well, let's play this anyway, you guys, because I know there's some science appreciators out there. Oh, let me explain, at least to the extent of my knowledge, as someone with a BFA, 16 years experience in interior design and having taught a color theory for interior design course. I Do I fully understand the science? Uh, nope, but I can explain at least partly why this is happening. So color is light. It's part of the electromagnetic spectrum that is visible. So when light is shining on an object, that object is actually absorbing wavelengths. And the wavelengths that are reflected back to us is the color we perceive. Now with the hat changing color from store to store to my home and even room to room or lamp to lamp even, is because there are different temperature light bulbs with varying color distribution of these wavelengths. A typical grocery store will have fluorescent lights, which have a higher percentage of blue wavelengths. So when not all of it gets absorbed, it bounces back and notoriously makes anything opposite of it on the color wheel appear dull like a red apple or the color of your skin. This is why we typically design fresh food departments in grocery stores with a different type of overhead lighting so those apples will look more fresh. So this is probably why my camel color hat looks greener in the store. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? 
In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part mini-series about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. Then at home, my dining room has a warm red wavelength emitting incandescent light. And the bedroom has a CFL bulb, which is just a compact fluorescent light, basically a mini version of those full long tube shaped fluorescents like at the store. I know. I can't. I fucking cannot. I'm sorry. I can't. I it's I can't. like the worst. It's like the worst. Like just it's not even it's not worth it. It's not worth it to like even own the hat. The hat is not cute enough to have this story about it. Like, I'm so annoyed with the makers of this hat for putting me through it. Like, it's much like the Laurel and Yanny thing. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what the science is. And, like, I'm annoyed that the science, like, big science has once again made it, like, their agenda for us to argue about, like, stupid shit that only losers care about. Like, who cares? No, but how do you really feel, Mo? Because, I mean... Just, like, leave me alone is how I feel. That's how I feel. I feel bullied by science. I feel like everyone's always shoving it in my face. And then, like, next thing I know, I'm watching something and Hank Green's like, um, actually... And it's like, no, shut up. (laughs) And, like, I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy. I know everyone loves Hank Green on the internet. I know I'm the only one who doesn't get it. But no, like, no, my, my I, husband doesn't, so you can start a club. So Oh, oh, oh is there a YouTube beef? Yeah, I think so. It's to do with the commercialization of YouTube meetups. Um, Ooh, I'm sure he'll Oh, yeah, that actually I'm sure he'll sense. tell us. Yeah. No, I do think it's weird. I'm like, can we also like these guys own VidCon? Like I feel like they should stop creating. I don't know if that is like fair to say, but I feel like once you own like people online meeting each other in real life, like you should dip out of the internet. <laughs> yes, I agree. Anyway, the fucking cat. I mean, decide yourself what you think is the reason, but it's probably science. I don't know. Like, do you think she bought it to be annoying or do you think she was genuinely surprised? (laughs) (laughs) I think the second one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's this. Now we're on the fun half of the show. Now we're just all about we're in gay people stealing crime Kardashians like we're then now we're in the fun people part. So if you've made it this far, welcome to fun town. Yeah, this is basically like so if you imagine the first when you get the TikTok algorithm and you can be rooted one of two ways, like you have to get through a lot of straight content before you can get to the good (laughs) gay content. Now you're on gay trend lightly. (laughs) Welcome. Yes, welcome to the alt feed, you guys. We're here. I'm so excited for this. Okay, so (laughs) Yassify is something that you told me you were interested in 
talking about and coincidentally fluently forward who's a friend of the show made a video that explains it do you want to explain first though like we can just leave fluently forwards in the description for people I want your description oh man I don't know if I'm gonna do it justice but if you've seen on your social feeds lately um incredibly glamorous pictures of um celebrities and historical figures where everybody has a smoky eye and impossibly airbrushed skin usually by an account called yassify bot you're probably thinking what the fuck is yassification which is essentially a meme that is somewhere in between um sort of uh, it, it sits in this really neat little bubble that is like influencer culture which is the heavily airbrushed influencer culture and queer culture so you know saying yas as we know all comes from broad city it's a very like no, it, saying Yas comes from... Well, Yas Gaga. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I think it comes from, like, the drag community in, in like, the 70s in New York. Well, yeah. I mean, originally. But in, t- in terms of its, like, you know, birth into mainstream culture, sort of, it put it was put through the sort of, like, bastardization lens of, of broad city. That's how, like, most... Of most of the straights came to know about it, shall we say? Sure, yeah, 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 that makes sense. But basically, the meme involves just heavily editing uh, people from pop culture uh, to look like these impossibly glamorous figures that uh, I think you usually use Face App, which is the most extreme of the editing apps, and everybody ends up looking the same like this kind of homogenous, shiny faced girl boss, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> that makes you want to say yes. It looks like like Barbie a little yes. bit. Like yeah. most of them wind out uh, wind up looking like Barbie, like like the butterfly meme. Yeah. The that's like here in this ID story you pulled up, which is the yasification allows us to enjoy a smooth brain existence. Which is like that's such a great way of putting it. Because this is just this is like if everyone very simple got their like most visually appealing like world handed to them this is probably what it would be yeah totally and the more absurd the figure that's being yassified the funnier it is like it almost sort of defies a great deal of explanation I feel like if you see something that's been yassified and you think it's funny and weird then you get it but like if it's not funny and weird to you then it just then it's fine just like it doesn't you know you just kind of it passes you by I think there's like you know, yeah, there's something really funny happening. And I think we talked about this a bit with Indie Sleaze, which is like the backlash against that like heavily edited digital photo look that we've come to know from like the influencer, especially on Instagram. So this feels like a reaction to that. But it's also, I mean, as I said, like this is very, this is very gay Twitter and very gay TikTok. When you get your TikTok account and you sort of have to make your way through a lot of the straight content you can either be rooted forevermore into straight TikTok or straight Twitter which is going to be pretty dire or you can find your way into gay TikTok and gay Twitter which is so much more fun so there's this TikTok here I was gonna just ask like if there's a there's a backlash to this already but I'm I'm just seeing a, a link here to a TikTok that says it's giving fun gay slur which I assume is maybe the beginning of maybe some pushback I don't know <laughs> I think uh I think this is an interesting TikTok because it 
Uh, well, I don't know. Let's play it and discuss. Okay. Hey, guy, queen man bussy. Your outfit is bootsing enema core. It's giving fun gay slur. Don't forget to wig for the holla sleigh. I think I did see that. I get it. I mean, listen. <laughs> listen, it's, it's you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, I don't know. It, the, the thing is, is like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really sure what pushback on something like this would look like other than, like, I don't know. I mean, that guy's essentially, I think if I had to guess what he's trying to say is like, I don't know, like what an absurd way that like it's assumed slash that, you know, it's assumed that we like what we speak like. I don't know. I'm what describe that to me. No, I think you're right. I think it's like this falls a little bit and like uh, into the category of people, especially uh, I would say in TikTok comments, adopting a, a, a manner of speech. But I also think stands on Twitter do this too, where they will adopt a digital black scent, which is like the digital blackface effect, or or sort of like co- cosplay this idea of what queerness looks like yeah. in language. Yeah, and uh, I think that's I think that's the yeah I think you're right. I think that's the pushback of that like of that thing, which is like this is not <laughs> this is not how most people interface on a daily basis. But do you, I remember seeing a comment where somebody called someone out because they. <laughs> <laughs> because they said that they're like why, why do you speak why do you say y'all all the time you speak like this like you're like from the UK and she said um I don't know how to explain it but it's my internet accent <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> what no no I understand what she means I understand what she means yep <laughs> but yep. I think it, it strays a little into that territory um some of these like Yas memes are, are really funny. The ones that I really enjoy are the ones that I mean it is it's it's it got tired very quickly. It's like it's already pretty tired, but it is still occasionally funny. It's just when like Abraham Lincoln has been Yasified or like or if there's a particularly good, you know, descriptor around it. I saw like Benson and Stabler be like, Yasified. And I think the text was, in the criminal justice system, YAS-based crimes are considered especially <laughs> heinous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the internet's so good, man. I don't even know what to say. The internet's so good. We should we should figure out something to YASify. We should um we should pick some. I can That's figure the it cover out. Art. I'll learn That's 100% the cover art. That, that is this week. Like, we're doing it. Perfect. Okay. You guys know that I've been saying ever since we really started talking about Free Britney on this podcast, that one of my biggest concerns about when she got free is people trying to get their little hands on her, their greedy mm. little slippery paws. And, mm. you know, Jeffree Star, a fucking course, was one of the first that we know of to get his little mitts on Britney. Oh, well, of course, because he was like, who was the one person that basically hasn't had access to media for 13 years who doesn't know, <laughs> who doesn't yeah. know my torrid history? Yes. And like, huh. not just was like Jeffree Star, like not always nice about Britney. And in fact, like there's videos of him out there, like making fun of her actively with like Perez Hilton, like singing some shitty song about her or something. 
it's mm. he's just he's just the worst and we do know that Brittany looked at his house he, she toured his like 17 million dollar house that he bought and then like his boyfriend broke up with him like right away and then yeah. now he's living in Wyoming by himself he sent her like a ton of his products and we knew she got PR because she also had posted some of like Selena Gomez's stuff recently as well. So Brittany, that's interesting to know that she's gotten PR over the years, but she made a very specific post about Jeffrey's makeup and it has since been deleted. Thankfully, it means hopefully someone got to her and said like, Hey, Brittany, he's not the guy. Cause if yeah, those of you not who- it. <laughs> to just like assume that most of you guys do not know who Jeffree Star even is, which I think is fair. He's like the guy from MySpace with pink hair that like, you know, continued on and became like a, a slightly bigger star, was like, working with Kat Von D, then their friendship split up. He started a makeup line called Jeffree Star Cosmetics. But over the years, Jeffree Star has done a lot of fucked up things. He was surprisingly like able to get popular on YouTube despite the fact that there's like videos of him saying the n-word out there that there's like you know accounts dating back to the early 2000s of him you know just being a shitty person saying shitty things and doing fucked up things with his power um at one point he was like a I don't know like a third tier music act on things like Warp Tour like he was never like his fans were always like kind of like the demented sort of like weird kid like he never you know what I mean as much as like people he has like records and stuff I don't really know that I know people that were his fans that were like savory people in any way right he has like a history of a friendship with like Davey Vanity and like some pretty dodgy people from the past and it always was wild to me how he managed to like rehab his image to the point where he could reinvent himself when he came onto YouTube and he could sort of sat like he presented a sanitized version of himself as essentially like a rich white woman that people didn't dig a little bit deeper or people didn't really seem to mind. You know, it was like he was a pop culture figure that everybody sort of knew about and perhaps younger fans who weren't on MySpace didn't know him. And so he was able to present this like new, shinier sort of Jeffrey image and able to make some pretty decent collaborations and was riding pretty high there for a second. Yeah, like he has that sort of persona where that he's always had since I first saw him on MySpace back in the day where he has this sort of thing where it's like, oh, that's a person that should be famous. This sort of mm-hmm. like shiny look to him. And I think that when he popped off on YouTube he had that sort of thing where like maybe the older people, they all had, he had that name recognition. And of course, like the friendship with Kat who was huge in makeup and he was offering his own like sort of alternative vegan line. And like this, especially at the time was probably a time when it was very interesting to, you know, makeup creators and like influencers to want to get makeup advice from a man because like if we if we look back on James Charles's success so much of it was was based in the fact that he was a boy in the beauty space right and Jeffrey's makeup line came at a really interesting time which was really at the apex of like the, the the super guru like the super beauty guru 
So like he made these like heavily pigmented, very brightly colored things and got very quickly being a child of the internet that in order for his brand to do very well, he would have to be kind of consistently promoting that um, and doing endless sort of like good makeup content of which, you know, was just starting to really pop off on YouTube. So like part of, I think, Jeffrey's success is just incredibly good timing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Brittany posted a picture of like, I don't know, lips with some sort of clear bubbles on them. (laughs) And she writes, at Jeffree Star, thank you for sending me the coolest makeup ever. Heart eye lipstick emoji. Okay. My mom does face care, so trust me. I know the salesmanship. I know the salesmanship when it comes to selling products. Glasses, face whisper face crying laughing face but i won't say that to sound self-righteous or anything but jeffree star's holy mist is bomb bomb emoji and i mean it i don't wake up or go to sleep without it i want to open the cute packaging and freaking drink it (laughs) tongue out emoji winky face tongue out emoji three times it smells that good not to mention the adorable bullet lipsticks. Sorry, I had to share because if I didn't know, I would wish someone would tell me about it. Holy Mist is a must. Jeffree Star, you're a genius. Holy Mist is is more like, holy shit, this is good. Rose emoji, rose emoji, rose emoji. That's such a Britney post. God bless her. So much going on here. So she's definitely, I mean, there's there's a, some heavy shade to Lynn. Oh being yeah, involved in a skincare MLM in here. Yeah, yeah. Which one is she in with? I don't know. I I have seen uh, her and Jamie Lynn, Jamie Lynn, mm-hmm. doing their little like Instagram lives about it. But I've never. I don't know which one it is. God, her downline is probably insane. I bet it's probably she could probably get like any Britney fan she wanted. to sign up for that at some point like her recruiting must be insane but yeah you know I mean it's just sad to see because like I I knew this was gonna happen and there was no preventing it and I certainly of all people couldn't prevent it but like I just think it is so fucking important that who Britney is around or is like she's promoting or anything I think that needs to be so tight yeah. yeah. And it's like a lot to see her go through, you know, it's a lot to see her sort of, you know, the other thing is this week, Christina Aguilera was out and she was at a, we're including this clip in the description for anyone who wants it, but she was out at some sort of event and they asked her what she thought about Britney being, Britney's conservatorship being over. And Brittany responded to like, she posted the clip on her stories and wrote, I love and adore everyone who supported me, but refusing to speak when you know the truth is equivalent to a lie. 13 years being in a corrupt, abusive system, yet why is it such a hard topic for people to talk about? I'm the one who went through it all. All the supporters who spoke up and supported me, thank you. Yes, I do matter. And it it freaked me out because it also felt a little bit like the clip that she posted the other day when she, at the very end of it, she goes, oh, I know all the free Britney people. They have a joke. You know, I'm not free. I'm expensive. Well, I'm expensive too. And mm-hmm. like, she said it in a very defensive way. And it's just like, it, 
reminded me, and I think it should serve as a reminder to all people, that Brittany was very distrustful of people before all this happened. And I do think she, like, struggles with understanding, like, something like that is, like, not her fans making fun of her. Because I think she saw it as, like, her being slighted somehow. And same with this. Like, I know she's been out of the loop for a while, but, like, there's probably a reason why Christina's not commenting on this that is more than just, like, her not being happy for her or something. Yeah, especially given that Christina has been very supportive on Twitter and, like, very articulate. And um, possibly even... If I'm not wrong, part of like the little like team of pop stars that sort of like banded together to help pay for her, for Michael Rosengart. Right. So I think, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of reasons why, I mean, it's a, it's a funny little clip anyway, because I think Christina takes a pause, kind of looks back at her publicist, her publicist interjects and says, no, we're not talking about that tonight and then Christina goes oh I'm sorry and it's and it's this it's funny it it reads it like reads a shady but I don't know if it is like it just is one of those things there's also a part of me that's like I think it as far as I'm aware I think it was like maybe to do with the house of Gucci premiere and I think Christina had something to do with that was there a song that she was before doing and it and it might have been that you know throughout history Britney and Christina were pitted against each other and maybe Christina was like it's my night why are you asking me about Britney Spears like, is this, is it this again? You know, there's a multitude of reasons why she wouldn't have commented. I mean, like, let's be real. If she had commented, unfortunately, either way, this was going to be like the clip of the night for her. And she knew that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And unfortunately, this like just, it didn't, it did, however she thought it was going to look, it didn't look like that. And now people are, are going one way with it. But I'm just like, it, it bums me out that like, Britney seems to be getting this like sort of unfettered access to the internet now that's like it's going there's she has the understanding of what's going on on social media of like of someone who started Instagram in 2012 like she doesn't there's like all sorts of jokes and like even like colloquialisms and stuff that she just wasn't here for and And I don't know, it like, it really like, it really like hit me in a weird place when I saw that, you know, when it sounded like she had internalized free Britney fans saying like, you know, we're not free, we're expensive as like some sort of slight on her. Yeah, but I I noticed that there was, um, you know, it's hard to know at what point who was writing what captions and what part of her Instagram she had control of at certain points. But I remember when some of the documentaries were dropping and in particular the documentary that was made by the two female filmmakers for Netflix, which I thought was very sensitively presented when it came to how they presented Britney as a person. And I remember reading the caption underneath a post just after that come out and it was like, what like it was almost like she was like what a what a way to portray me not like eye roll emoji or whatever and I was like oh but it's not it's you know nobody's attacking you like it's not this isn't what that is like this isn't a thing nobody wants to I think she kept talking about it being humiliating and I was like well the conservatorship is humiliating and the scrutiny the media scrutiny I can understand being quite embarrassing but you have nothing to be humiliated about like Well, I think it's, like, those are the moments that her team has, like, weaponized against her for years. And so those are huge moments of shame for her. Yeah. And she's, like, you know, 
I don't think that she sees, I mean, I know that it's probably difficult for anyone who's the subject of something to see the way everyone else sees it. But like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I worry. That's the part I worry about is like, she needs to be like re-socialized in a major way. And I, and, and I don't know that it's really going to be possible. Like, I don't know that like, I don't know. It sounds awful, but like, I don't know if you can like joke with her yet. Like, I don't know. I agree. It does. It feels like, yeah, it feels like she's, I don't know. I totally agree. I mean, like, even though she's free, the hard work, the hard work really starts now, which is like everything that she does from this point onwards will be was scrutinized 10 times harder because it's all everyone's like, oh, what, what, she, what are you going to do? Like everyone's looking, you know? So if she does a, if she does anything that's even minor, that feels like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were right. Maybe Brittany's crazy. Like she can't, like she basically has to tread so carefully and you're right. Like she needs to be sort of, she needs to be soft launched back into the world at like a pace that is comfortable for her because this is the real work now. Like, reintegrating whatever she does next like however she chooses to live maybe she disappears into obscurity which I think would be a lovely treat for her it's yeah this is the hard bit and it's like this Sam this fiance I mean I don't think any of us trust him let's be real but like he's in the middle of making his you know oh wait a minute he was at the house of Gucci premiere the other night he was where this was said, where Christina did this. So that that adds another layer to it. Right. But, you know, he's, like, still trying to, like, be something. And, like, I feel like having, like, having someone who's, like, still, like, getting their career off the ground in a partnership with someone who's, like, finally getting her life back is mm. is maybe not the best thing for her. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty tricky. But yeah, so let's go on to the Kardashians. (laughs) Ah, yes, the Kardashians. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're this lovely little family from Calabasas. They're on the up and up. (laughs) Yeah, we'll explain them really quickly. No, so the Kardashians are using a tax loophole. And I think people who are like OG fans of the show might know this. Pastor Brad, who is this, you know, guy that was brought around, I think, when it was, you know, upsetting to Chris that Courtney was having a baby with someone she wasn't married to. And she was like, Courtney, we brought Pastor Brad to dinner to marry you. (laughs) I think that might be how we know him. But, you know, like a lot of rich people, the Kardashians have a tax loophole in a church. We're just going to play this TikTok that will explain most of it. You want to hear a good story? Listen to this. This is Brandy. The boy is mine. You should know if you're a 90s or 80s kid. Over here, we've got them sitting together. Kim K used to be a closet cleaner outer. She would come in, clean your closet, take your clothes, sell them on eBay, take a portion of the profit, take it, you know, do her thing with it. Well, she spent Brandy's credit card of over $120,000 and Brandy's mom filed a lawsuit against her. Well, you know what happened after that? You guessed it. This happened. It's a picture of Kim and Ray J. This, first of all, this is interesting tea on its own. Right. And this is a, this is actually kind of an old 
This happened in what, in 2008? So this is like, this is way back. But it's now like, it's starting to like bubble up and resurface again. I'm seeing a lot of TikToks about it. Yeah, so apparently, yeah, Kim stole a bunch of money from Brandy. I don't know that I knew that. I don't know if I knew that. And the way that the family settled it was Kim making a sex tape with Ray J. Shocking. Let's pick up back here. 37 seconds. The infamous tape. Well, I'm sure she made a lot more than 120 k off that. But she used the proceeds to pay off Brandy and pay all the debts that she owed. But that didn't stop her because she learned from a very close source how to make money at an early age. You see, her mom founded a church. It's called California Community Church. Oh, not that one. It looks more like... Yep, this is the church here. California Community Church. Notice it's all C's. No K's to be found. All right. This church is in a strip mall. I'm like almost positive that one of those places above it is like a sushi restaurant and there's a dry cleaner on the other side. This is like a classic California strip mall church. Does this look familiar to you? Because the more I look at it, the more I realize that I feel like I've seen it before. What, like in an episode of the Kardashians? Maybe or something. I don't know. I feel like I've seen the exterior of this before. Maybe if this was like first, the story was broken on a blog or something years ago. Hmm. Is this your first time hearing about the church? Yeah, through this TikTok. Yeah, for sure. It's the first time I've heard of their connection with it. Definitely. Okay, picking up at 113. Chris Jenner hired this guy, Brad Johnson, to be the lead pastor. She found him in a Starbucks after he had left at Calvary Church a few years earlier because he was having an affair. He cheated on his wife multiple times and he had drug overdoses and several suicide attempts. But come on, come work for my church. No problem. Yeah, that's not a good look, bro. Sorry. Anyway, so if you want to be a member of this church, you have to tithe 10%, and you also have to pay a membership fee of $1,000 a month. Does that sound like a church or maybe a company? So then I kept digging, and look, this is Kim Kardashian's eBay account. What she does all year is she sells things on eBay that people send her. Because you know she's getting a lot of swag. They send it to her. She posts it on eBay as pre-owned if she's worn it or just new if she has not. And what she does is she donates that 10% to who? Yep, you guessed it. Her mama's church. So, a little tax information from the Kardashians in case you want to save some money. Okay. I mean, don't they still have that Kardashian's closet thing? They do. They do. And you know what else is just like simmering like a conspiracy with a K? There's a there's a section of the Kardashians, like, I, I forget which season it is, but they all suddenly um, out of the blue start talking, especially Chloe starts talking about like them doing Bible study. Yeah. And I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. I just thought it was kind of weird. And I, and I was like, oh, is that to do with like maybe when like Kanye like was popping off and doing Sunday service stuff? But it's no, it's way before that. Like it'll, they'll very casually mention it. Like, and as we know, like nothing in that show is there without their, you know, express construction knowledge and consent because they all exec produce it. So now my little brain gears are ticking and I'm like, aha, uh-huh, interesting. 
Interesting. Yeah, Chloe and Courtney, it feels like, have always sort of kept up with their, like, Christianity. You know, yeah. they've, they've never really let go of that. Whereas I feel like a lot of, like, you don't see Kendall and Kylie talking about church. Mm-mm. You don't see Kim even really talking about church until Mm-mm. more recently. But I feel like Courtney has taken her kids to church for a long time. And Chloe's always sort of had this, like, pray for our haters stuff. She started that with Lamar, even. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was it was the weird – I remember very – I'd have to find the episode, but I remember there's an episode where Chloe is talking about, like, doing family Bible study. And I'm like, that doesn't seem – this seems a little, like, out of the blue as a plot line. And the other – yeah. 10% of their dollars a month? Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Well, there's this other little piece of tea that we can't pass by. Kim and Pete, the PR couple of the century. (laughs) Everyone's starting to feel like, oh, things are real because there are reports from inside the camp that that they're actually serious. And there's this picture floating around of the two of them holding hands. And we saw the actual paparazzi footage. There's a link to it in the description. But... Kim and Pete, like the actual video footage of them, you can see her like just say she says something to him or faces turned toward him. He like looks at her like, oh, what? And they just briefly like it's not even it's not even three whole. It's not three Mississippis. They're holding hands. (laughs) No, they they briefly touch hands. (laughs) And so like. Obviously, this is, you know, this is what it appears to be. I don't know that she's ever been that really, like, touchy with anyone, though. Right. Is it? Has she, was she, like, ever touchy with Kanye? Well, there's is, there are a bunch of pictures of them where they're, like, licking each other's tongues and stuff. I feel like they would kind of, they could be quite PDA-y at times. Yeah, I guess that's true. But we haven't even seen Kim and Pete kiss off of... SNL, and that's usually something he's willing to do pretty quickly. Mm. Do you think they're really boning? No. No, I cannot I cannot for the life of me picture it. I don't think Kim is like horny. No, I don't think so either. I yeah, I just don't think she's like horny. I don't think that like she is someone who like would really would really do something like would really be with a guy for any reason other than like press at this point because no I just don't see it I don't see it I know she loves love I know she's reckless I know like Pete is like fits in perfectly it was sort of like the image that Courtney's going for but I, I it's just um I don't know and it feels like Pete's so like adjacent to everything like he seems like someone who's like he knows all of the right people to fit in very easily in that environment Right. And I'm sure he's like kind of fun and enjoyable to be around and probably feels quite refreshing in that environment. But I had always thought that Kim's next romantic move would be like with like a beautiful gray haired like Italian diplomat or like (laughs) some kind of some sort of like legal eagle, like maybe like a called like sexy defense attorney or something that she would have a little stint with because that would like begin to 
like a it would be quite nice sort of aesthetically to have them together and b uh it would help bolster and further her next kind of career direction and move which is this is kind of like legal 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 yeah yeah I uh, did read a blind item on Crazy Days and Nights this week that was suggesting that everyone knows that, like, Pete wouldn't be the most logical move for her right now. It it should be, like, I think Van Jones was an early floated dating rumor for her when she and Kanye split ways, saying that, like, you know, she should be with, like, you know, an entrepreneur or, like, an intellectual or Mm -hmm. a politician, someone serious, but... They weren't getting any interest when they were reaching out about that, (laughs) partially because, like, you know, everything around her is a little bit messy, you know, and that's before the Astroworld stuff. And and a lot of people are seeing this Pete and Kim relationship as a, you know, even though it supposedly started before those events happened, people think that, like, they're really kicking into high gear to, like, pull distraction to pull you know attention away from everything that's going on there so I don't know I don't I don't know but I I think that I think that it makes sense you know she's not divorced I don't I I think her next serious boyfriend will be a few years from now and I think that that she would be better for it I mean this is someone who's chronically in a relationship yeah I agree I agree I also think that like I'm really interested to know what the there's definitely like a Kardashian nuclear option in a bunker somewhere that like when they have like something that's really, really terrible, they'll bring out like this is like, you know, something, something at the front of the filing cabinet that they can just pull out as like a little distraction technique. But there is I'm I would love to know whatever it is that they all carry like keychains around and they all have to put it in the lockbox at the same time and open it. <laughs> and then like the nuclear Kardashian option, like there's something that exists that Christiana knows about that they would use to like distract in the event of an emergency. And I need to know. I need to know what it is. Yeah, me too. Well, okay. This is another like little mystery of humans will never understand. Surviving Sophia. This is wild. This is really, really wild. I mean, yeah. I was asleep for this. Like, I think it happened on like Thursday going into Friday night. And I had like gone to sleep and I woke up to all of this like, oh my God, can you believe this? And this was something that was hard to really track because it took place in a Twitter spaces room, but essentially a bunch of influencers, like a record amount of blue check people were in a Twitter spaces room talking about, which is essentially like clubhouse, but on Twitter talking about how this girl, Sophia Nur had ripped off all of them. And as of right now, it appears that Sophia has stolen um, about $11 million and has spread like she's put around sexual assault allegations. She's claimed that she is pregnant with Jack Harlow's baby, amongst other things. She also ripped off some family members. One of her cousins posted and said that before she came to Hollywood to really run stuff, she tried it on family members. Basically, she's a Canadian girl. She's from Toronto. Her her lies started out by saying that she was like, you know, friends with Drake and, and worked with OVO. And apparently, from what I've seen from Twitter, it's not very difficult to get into Drake's house if you are 
a hot girl in Toronto. Like people are like, everyone goes to Drake's house. So what? But it's what she did with it. So basically this story is about, I mean, it's about like how shallow people in Hollywood can be. It's this, it was this room of like, you know, 40 influencers called hashtag surviving Sophia. And they were going over all of her lies. They were all had just sort of figured out that her saying like she would go to like this guy named Ted and she would say, hey, Ted, I'm best friends with your friend, Julie. And Ted would be like, oh, no way. Holy shit. Here are all of my friends. And then she would go to some other person and be like, hey, I'm best friends with Ted. And then he'd be like, oh, that's great. And introduce her to all of her other friends. And so this would just be like the way that she worked her way around was like all through just people believing her, taking what she said at face value, her in some moments having the right connections that are all like built on fake connections. Mm -hmm. And yeah, through the process, I mean, she was able to get people like people were under the impression she was homeless at first. So they would let her stay with them. And then she like gained access to all these people's homes. But through that, she was also doing the whole Anna Delvey thing of being like, trust me, like I've got $17 million coming my way. I have like an unbelievable inheritance coming my way. And so it was always promising this money was going to come. And additionally, a lot of these people were giving her their credit card or their debit card to I don't know, complete some purchase for them, but she was stealing lots of money. And a lot of, especially these younger influencers are not checking their bank accounts. They don't even realize they're being stolen from till it's gone. Right. But how reliable is this 11 million number? I think the 11 million is pretty, I mean, it's pretty, pretty random. I don't really Mm. know how we got to that figure. Right. Because everything I've seen with like the specifics is like, I paid for a flight or I lent her like a thousand dollars or I paid for a hotel room for a night for $250. And it's quite a leap (laughs) to go from that to 11 million. So I'm just kind of, I'm questioning the legitimacy of that because that seems to be the number that's being thrown around. But anytime I try and look into exactly what that consists of, it kind of falls apart. I know. And we're going to have tons of stuff that we can include to this story, just so you know, in description. Um, So please go check that out because you're going to want to see all of this stuff. But you found a Twitter thread, Fine Line and Wine, that basically breaks down the spaces conversation. Do you want to go through this together? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know how much we want to go into the uh, sexual assault allegation. Well, I mean, I think the main thing is that she, well, why not? Okay. She got into it. So, I mean, unless it's like, I don't know. Is that the one, is that what this thread is mostly about? Yeah, but it kind of breaks down literally everything, including the Jack Harlow stuff as well. So I think this is the, this is the summation of the Twitter spaces chat, which is a little bit chaotic to listen to at points because there are people just kind of like chat, like shooting the shit and just kind of jumping in. So it's like, it can be a little hard to follow. No, my favorite with the chat though, I have to tell you out of the videos I found is the fucking Susie Antonian from the vlog squad. My Armenian queen, she is from Glendale. (laughs) Just like, so, I mean, God bless her. So not like, with it she's like guys you don't understand like you don't they're all like yeah we understand you're in here with like 140 people she's still 
<laughs> I put videos to it if you want in the description. It's just like it's so it's like peak Susie, you know, just if you're if you're familiar with those people at all. Uh, it's just very like, you know, new to earth kind of. So, yeah. Do you want to start with do you want to start with reading through this thread? Yeah. So Alec and Sophia met on Hinge. She told him she was in an urgent situation and needed a ride. He provided transportation to get her to his house. While at his house, she allegedly produced a bottle of wine. Alec consumed some of it and lost recollection of some of the events. When Alec came to, he was naked and Sophia had removed his clothing, took photos of his body, rummaged through his home, found a large sum of money hidden in his home and took it. She took photos of his clothing and his home. Neza received a call from someone she believed to be a mutual friend in need. Sophia called her saying she needed to be picked up from the hospital after having a rape kit performed. Sophia alleged that she'd been gang raped by Jack Harlow's entourage at an event that Ricky Thompson brought her to to allow the assault. Neza ordered a ride for her to be taken to Neza's home. Sophia remained at Neza's house for three days, accompanied by Neza's assistant, Olivia. Neza was out of state in Texas while Sophia remained in her home and Olivia filled her in. Simultaneously, Neza was in communication with her friend Franny Arita. They were discussing Kian and JCS show premiere and how Neza wouldn't be able to attend. Oh, Kian and JC's show premiere. They're, they do the, the show Reality House or... or- about it's about all these influencers uh in like a house and they compete for like a hundred thousand dollars their own little like homegrown sort of competition show and it's actually really fun to watch lena the plug one season two interesting i don't know if you if you're familiar but it's like they did like it's like they it's these two youtube creators who are popular like i don't know what they what they're popular for but they're for like younger people but they do this like pretty well produced reality show reality house i think it's called i don't know that they produce it themselves and it's it's very well done oh interesting well sophia claimed that she was also invited to the premiere (laughs) there we go um once at the premiere Kian and JC recognized Sophia as a, quote, stalker who had tried to infiltrate their circles previously, possibly in other states. She followed them around the party and tried to follow them to their hotel. Once they became aware of this, they refused to let her in and kicked her out. Neza, beginning to connect the dots, realized that Olivia had dropped her off. So how would she leave? She offered to order her a ride home and Sophia declined, saying she had her cousin's card on her Uber, so she didn't need to need her to. Sophia then returned to Franny and asked her to call a ride. I took it to a location. Let me get to some. Let me get to some TT. So basically, this is the pattern of behavior, right? She's she's kind of creating chaos and then dipping around and going around to multiple people, creating a lot of strange drama. Uh, sort of talking about this rape kit. Um, other people are becoming suspicious of her. I mean, this is this is. This person says things that were stated in the original space that were allegedly confirmed by the influencers themselves. Sophia has communication with Miguel, the singer, for in-person interactions <laughs> with him at events and text conversations with him. Sophia hooked up with Avon Georgia and scammed him. 
There are allegedly photos to confirm this. Sophia was at Drake's birthday party. Sophia was at the VMA's red carpet. Sophia was at the Jake Paul Triller fight and was kicked out several times due to her behavior. <laughs> Sophia's ID states her by the name Sophia Nur and that she was born of January, January of 1997 in regards to claims of her name being an alias. Furthermore, Jeff, Jeff Wittick, the guy with um, the guy that David Dobrik blinded with a crane. Yes. Jeff Jeff at some point was called by a friend he trusts and told that Sophia needed help getting out of an urgent situation. I bet this was Susie. He was told that she had been getting raped, assaulted, and her purse was stolen. He sent her his card information for her to use and get her to safety. At this time, he wasn't entirely sure who Sophia was, but upon hearing that a young girl needed help, he did what he felt he should in the moment. In his words, it was early in the day. He had just woken up and didn't completely understand the circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, listen, this bitch is is wild. She's wild and for real. And there's this other Twitter thread that you pulled here. So this is an account. This is a this is a Twitter thread from a verified account that is breaking it down. Who is this woman? Ariana Dantone. She's a singer, songwriter. Brackets. The singer. Close brackets. She does all of it. So. This is Sophia Nurse. Somehow she would always sneak her way into influential spaces to seem like she was in it. Influencers and celebrities befriended her without questioning who she was because she was always around. From L.A. to Miami to Vegas, she was there. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. That is a thing, you guys. Like, honestly, half the time, truly, for a lot of people, it's about just being in the room. And then oh, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's that person we know from L.A. Like, they're here at this thing. Like, we should put them, you know, let's invite them with us. You know, it's it, that is such a fucking thing. So um, Sophia befriended Ricky Thompson and told him a number of lies about her life that seemed believable and he didn't question them. Her, Ricky, and Denzel Dion eventually planned a trip to Vegas to go to Jack Tra- Jack Harlow's show. Sophia said she was dating Jack. Now, if anyone doesn't know who Jack Harlow is, he's like... He's like a, a like the biggest like white rapper in the scene now. Very like cute. He did that little Nas song with him recently. Like he's very like I don't know. It's sort of like unbelievable that people would just li- lie about dating him. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like a lie anyone would could get away with. Right. But here comes Sophia. So Sophia was supposed to book the flights, but when they arrived at the airports, there was no flight scheduled. Assuming it was a miscommunication, Denzel ended up spending $3,000 to pay for their flights. She said Jack would reimburse. Same thing happened with hotel. Denzel covers the cost, expecting to be reimbursed. No big deal. They go to Jack's show. They end up backstage slash VIP, assuming because of her relationship with Jack, but it was actually because of who she was with that they ended up there. This was not her first time sneaking in somewhere. She even snuck into the VMAs and had better access than Ricky somehow. She also snuck into Rolling Loud and stole VIP tickets for four. Again, no one thinks anything because she's always in these spaces. She made up stories about how she lived in one of Jeff Wittick's apartments that he owned and that she worked for him for months. They actually only met once outside of a club where she told him that she was a publicist. This is what she told everyone. Everything intertwined and... Uh, She was friends with a lot of people in those spaces. No one questioned anything because everyone thought she was a friend of a friend. Fast forward, she says she's been gang raped and that it was set up by Jack. She was crying and needed help. 
Now, I don't know why Jeff did this, but he was trying to be nice and he gave his credit card info so that she could book a flight to get out of there. His friend Maggie told him about the situation and he wanted to help her. She booked the flight and then she tried to book another. I forgot to mention that she said she was pregnant with Jack's baby. Anyway, Jeff caught the other flight and I think people started to finally people started to finally talk. This is when the lies started to come out and there were they were adding two and two together and getting seven. More stories started to come out. A story of a man she met on Hinge. She went to his place, brought wine. This is a story we just told you. Um, another story where she said her mom had died and needed help with the funeral costs. This person gave her $4,000. LA people are built different. I might need to move. But it was all a lie. Her mom is not dead. Another story was she called a girl sobbing saying she needed, she had nowhere to go and no money. The girl booked her a, fi- a flight. Sophia promised to PayPal her back. The girl threatened to get her deported since she's Canadian and actually got her money back. Hang on, I've just seen something. So a little bit further down, she says she was constantly telling people that her boss, Jeff, or her man, Jack, would reimburse them. She even showed them an account where she had $11 million. Could be fake, but could be very real. She wasn't paying for anything, not food, housing, flights, or drip. Okay, so that's where the $11 million has come from, which is clearly photoshopped. I don't think she is scammed 11 million dollars the amounts again are always like four thousand here 3k for flights a thousand here which definitely adds up but i think we're probably looking at someone who scammed maybe tens of thousands of dollars of shit not millions of dollars of shit because like for me like the amount of money and also the ruthlessness to me it's like she has to be on drugs like, this right. is the way someone would support a very bad drug habit. Yeah, but I think, like, I don't know. I, I, I Yeah, I, I kind of question the, – the money for me is the thing that I question the hardest because, because I haven't seen any evidence for, like, a, a severely large chunk going to her. I think it's really easy to get into – I think it's, it's easy for a scammer like her, who's, who's obviously a little bit of a stalker, to get into these circles and be able to, like, skim – little bits of money off the top for for cash that feels quite disposable for young influencers who are very cash rich money for a flight money for a hotel room can I stay at your place whatever it may be and then once you're in you're in and it kind of snowballs and spirals and then you can keep doing it until somebody calls you out yeah I guess so I mean do you think she was really dating Jack Harlow though no No way. No way. She I this is clearly like this is clearly a girl who was a bit of a pathological liar at school who, you know, it's a bit like the girl that I knew who said that she had a swimming pool in her backyard with a dolphin in it. And I was like, really? In South Wales? Okay. Can we see it? We can't. We can't come over. All right, fine. It's like it's it's that kind of like very childish lie. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know what? I wish her well. This, I think, is an important lesson for these influencers. None of them are like, you know. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. I'm surprised it hasn't happened Absolutely. previously. I'm, sh- I'm sure it has, and I'm sure it um, has happened plenty of times before. Just so happened that all these people happen to be on a Twitter space together. But, you know, when you're young in the scene and like, you've got more money than you could have dreamed of and everything's like a party and everything's like, you know, meeting and going out and you have this circle of people who will have a very shared experience with you. It's actually kind of really interesting. It's easy if you know 
uh, it's easy if you know how to be able to slip in between the cracks of that. I'm sure there's shitloads of this going on. Yeah. Mm. Well, better than than me. That's what I always say. (laughs) LA people are built different. Moz, can I have $4,000? I know, right? I know. Well, listen, that's the other thing, too, about, like, young people getting money is they don't know. Like, you can't just lend people money like that. Like, you Mm -mm. want to, but you can't, Mm -mm. you know? You can't. Just because you have it doesn't mean, you know, Denzel should have stopped putting his card down. (laughs) I'm also really interested to know, is there a social profile somewhere for Sophia? Because surely you've got to, like, follow a person on Instagram, you know, like, but I haven't been able to find these, like, I haven't been able to find any social profiles for her. Because, like, the delicious thing about Anna Delvey is, of course, that you could go to her Instagram and see the bullshit life that she was lying and presenting. Yeah. And I would I would love to be able to go back through Sophia's Instagram and with the with this lens on it and kind of like read it as a rich text. Well, in my experience, like people who are kind of like this or even like, you know, work in sort of like a field that can be fudged the way that she did with like the publicity thing, they always keep their personal social media profiles like very low key right you know like maybe even private like you know just like not many followers and it's always under the guise of like oh it's you know that's professional for you know it's my job I don't really like keep a public Instagram or whatever which might even be refreshing for some influencers Mm -hmm. but it adds to the believability it definitely adds to the law if you're just like oh no I can't because Jack Harlow is my baby daddy. And so exactly. I need, off, I need to stay off Instagram because of the haters, whatever, you know. Well, you guys, I think this is a this is an end to our episode. Tiffany, I'm so happy you're back. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. You guys stay safe and we'll talk to you next week. Okay? Bye. Bye. That look like a double G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the vine Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the center Now watch it hit the flow Now rack it up huh? Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up huh? Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way she was important But I moved her right about the I way Delta G's tonight Told her baby I got G's tonight Get the scholarship I ain't smoking on no TAC Low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow Like the tell Shout out TurboTax Tax refund Was another Like the quarterback at recess No rush You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission No rush This ain't UT Why your shirt orange like a pump Mama call me Ask me how college is I said bust Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No, she was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm, not she. They, maybe? Wait. 
I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?